Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. Well, good morning, Journey. How are you this morning? Good. It is great to see you. It is good to worship with you, uh, to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs together as we get our hearts ready to dive in to God's Word today. Uh, as Christina said, last week we kicked off a short two-week sermon series called Forging Faith, and today we're going to dive in a little more into what these trials are. I think a lot of times we just gloss over that word trials, but really and truly, we need to dig in. We need to see what are trials, because I believe they come in many different shapes and sizes, and we're going to be doing some of that today. Well, just like many of you, I have regular routines in my life. Is anyone else a routine person? You have to have your routine, right? Monday, I have things that I like to do. Uh, Tuesdays, I have certain things I do. Uh, in the mornings, I have a certain routine before I go to bed, all of that stuff. And I, and I like to stick to that schedule if I can. And a lot of times in life, we experience those expected moments in life, right? But sometimes out of nowhere, life just throws you a curveball and it crashes in unexpectedly, unannounced, and unwanted. You never see those things coming, right? You're following along, you're cruising along, you're following your plans for the day, and suddenly, boom, you get a call from a doctor, or, or you get a text from a friend, and it just changes everything. And the news isn't great, and the outlook is tough, and you feel like you're left completely alone and caught off guard. You know, it reminds me of a story that Max Lucado had written in one of his books, and it's about a parakeet named Chippy. And it goes like this. It said, Chippy the parakeet never saw it coming, Lucado writes. One second he's peacefully perched in his cage. The next he is sucked in, washed up, and blown over. The problems began when Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck it in the cage. The phone rang and she turned to pick it up. And she barely said hello when all of a sudden she heard <laughs> Chippy got sucked in. The bird owner gasped and she put down the phone. She turned off the vacuum cleaner and opened the bag really quick. And there was Chippy, still alive, but extremely stunned. Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she was being very caring. She grabbed him and raced him to the bathroom where she turned on the faucet full board and held Chippy under the running water. 
that she realized that Chippy was now soaked and shivering. She did what any compassionate bird owner would do. She reached for the hair dryer, she turned it on full blast, and at the pet, she blasted him with hot air. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A few days after the trauma, the reporter who'd initially written about the event contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she replied, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits there and stares. What a description. Sucked in, washed up, and blown over. That describes how events hit our lives at times, doesn't it? And how they can transform us when they do that. You know, there's two words in verse 6 that we went over last week that seem to just not fit together. And those words were rejoice and trials. They are in the same sentence. Rejoice and trials? Is that even possible? Should these words even actually go together? You know, there are some words in life that I think just don't go together. You, you hear them and you're kind of like, hmm, those don't match at all. One of them that comes to mind is uh, hospital food, for example. They're just two words that don't really go together. Or airline food, maybe that's another one for you. Or jumbo shrimp. I thought that was something. The, the shrimp are never jumbo enough for me. I don't know about you, but they're never jumbo enough. Or growing up around here, I always thought it was funny to hear the phrase, Little Big Horn River. It's like, is it little or big? I don't understand. And then there are combo words that we have, such as political science, two words that don't really go together, pretty ugly, it's awfully good, or my favorite one, Microsoft works. Yeah, not so much. doesn't really go together. <laughs> but combining the words rejoice and trials doesn't seem very likely. Right? We usually feel happy when the tough times are gone. We usually feel happy when the rough times are over. And we're glad if we don't have to go through difficulties. However, the fact that Peter talks about both of those things at the same time in the same sentence tells us it's something important here. It's actually possible to have joys and to rejoice when we go through really tough times in life. Like I said, we kicked off this sermon series last week called Forging Faith, where we're learning to rejoice in the refining of our faith. And if you remember, or you were here last week, we looked at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. And in those verses, we saw that we can, and indeed we actually should, rejoice no matter what comes our way. That is easier said than done. Amen? But as believers in Jesus Christ, that should be our ultimate goal. To keep our eyes on him no matter the joy or no matter the trials that come in our lives. And Peter was saying that we can have joy even in the struggles because we have this living hope through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that we can rejoice in trials because we have a wonderful, unfading inheritance waiting for us in heaven that God is keeping for us there. 
And today, as we dive deeper into verses 6 and 7, we're going to observe the different characteristics of the trials that we will go through and how these trials can actually bring us closer to Jesus and bring us closer in our walk with him. So as review, let's look at these two verses again together. It says these words, You rejoice in this. Remember, the in this was the gospel and the inheritance, the power of God. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to point out five things that are in this section that Peter actually tells us about trials. And the first thing we're going to see is this today, is that trials are various. If you're taking notes this morning, mental notes, phone notes, written notes, whatever, write that down. Trials are various. Trials are various. What did the text say again? said, you rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. The King James Version put it this way. It says manifold trials, which actually means a variety of different colors. And that kind of got me thinking, okay, that makes sense. You know, when you're, when you're feeling blue or, you know, I, I, I'm kind of gray today. I don't know how I'm feeling. Or when you're so mad, you get to the point that you're just, you're red hot about something. Well, the picture that came to my mind was uh, when you go to Home Depot, because that's always a fun place to go and spend too much money. When you go to Home Depot, you walk to the back of the paint department and what do they have there? They have this big section of wall that is dedicated to nothing but paint swatches. And there appears to be just thousands and thousands of different colors. And it's hard if you're a guy because your wife will tell you, oh, go get faded gray. And you go there and you're like, all I see is gray. There's no such thing as faded gray. It's just gray. Some of these things have ridiculous names when you go back there. So I went and I had to do some research. I'm like, okay, I know there are some crazy names in this. And one of them I found was Careless Whispers. No idea what color it was, but there's Careless Whispers. There was Startling Orange. One of my favorites was Snuggle Puss. That's also my wife's nickname for me. Weird. You didn't need to know that. Snuggle Puss. Daytona Peach was one of the colors. And then the color that everyone was flocking to was dead salmon. Don't you want to paint your walls in dead salmon? Everybody's flocking to that one. That's the one. But as many color swatches as they had on the wall there, there are various kinds of suffering also in our lives. Have you discovered that trials in your life come in all sorts of shades, all different hues, even different sizes of the, the paint swatch cards? Right? Some are small and they're not very noticeable. Some are big that you could paint like this huge accent wall with. Some are just this small pop of color. And then when life really throws you a curveball, it looks like somebody came in with a Jackson Pollock painting and just started flinging paint everywhere on the walls. 
And Peter just sort of sums it all up by saying, rejoice in this, even though you suffer grief in various trials. No, if we were to sort out the different kinds of trials, these various trials that he's talking about, then I think we'd see that these trials hit us in three different areas, the various trials do. They hit us as physical trials, mental trials, and spiritual trials. So let's take a look at those physical trials. These are the challenges that, that I believe affect our bodies. Right? We know about things like cancer, things about strokes and heart disease, birth defects, accidents that happen. There were many people in the Bible who faced these kind of struggles as well. Think about Job for a minute here. He endured a long-term skin disease where he had these boils and these sores all over his body. And it actually tells us that these sores would pop and drain. And he would be in extreme pain. Disgusting, right? The New Testament talked about Paul with his thorn in the flesh. Now, we're not exactly sure what the thorn in the flesh is. He didn't go into detail, but some people believe it was this eye disease that he had that affected him. Other people believe, no, it was more of a mental thing. But all in all, we know that there was a thorn in the flesh that got to him. Simon himself was a leper. The Bible has stories of diseases and health problems that affected God's people all over the place. So these are these physical trials that we talk about, but we also have these things called mental trials or maybe emotional trials is what we could call them. Take the Psalms, for example. It is full of the ups and downs of life. I always think it's... In my head, it, it shouldn't be this funny, but it kind of is. You have King David writing in Psalm 22. He said, God, God, why have you forsaken me? He's in these depths and in this pit, and he's, and he's feeling depressed and lonely. And then you flip right over to 23. He's like, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. And he's fine. So David is feeling these ups and downs of life. But I think of Psalm 6 as well, where he says, I am weary from my groaning. With my tears, I dampen my bed and drench my couch every night. You hear that thing and you think, man, maybe Edgar Allan Poe wrote this, not King David. There was a guy by the name, he was a prophet, his name was Elijah. And he was known for speaking strong messages from God. But he also went through exhaustion and he went through depression there was a time when he was so down that he basically told God, God, I've had enough. Would you just take my life from me? He was so crushed that he was begging God to kill him. That is a serious emotional struggle. But in that story, if you keep reading, the best part is that God pretty much told him to, hey, if you eat some bread and take a nap, you're going to feel better. There's a lesson in life. Never underestimate the power of a nap and some food. All right, you might just be hungry or hangry, right? That's, that's okay. So don't underestimate the power of a snack and a nap. But you know what? Not only back then, but there's even dedicated believers here today who struggle with these emotional uh, trials, with these mental trials. They go through times of depression, times of anxiety, Truth be told, you guys, 
I struggle with depression. <gasps> Not the pastor. Oh, heavens, what are we going to do? There are times it hits me pretty bad. But it's in those times that I and I believe all of us who have that struggle can really learn to lean into what God has for us. I'm pretty slow at learning that at times. But I'm learning to lead into God and trust him more through those trials. Just like Paul with his sword in the flesh. Just like Elijah with wanting to just have his life end. That depression can begin to remind me, can begin to remind us that God's grace is sufficient for us no matter what comes in our lives. So we have those mental trials, those emotional trials. But we also have spiritual trials. That's one of these various trials that we're talking about. And sometimes I believe we don't really think of the spiritual trials, but they're very real. They're very real in our lives today. When we struggle with our own mistakes, when we wrestle with the sins that we've committed and, and the guilt that we feel when we decide to keep those on ourselves instead of giving them to the Lord... Maybe you go through a spiritual trial when you start to wrestle with, I, I think God should be doing this in my life, but he's not. What can I do with this? Can I even trust him? God, you're not doing what I hoped you'd do. And it feels just disappointing. Do you remember John the Baptist? He was the, the cousin of Jesus. When he was in prison, he was going through a really tough time with his faith. He believed in Jesus, and he thought that Jesus was the Messiah, but Jesus wasn't making things happen the way that he thought they should have been happening. So he sent a messenger to Jesus with, with a question, and the question was this, are you really the one? Are you the one that we were looking for, or should we look for somebody else? That's what John the Baptist asked Jesus. He was having spiritual doubts. And those are spiritual expectations that weren't met in his life. And those ended up being spiritual trials in the life of John the Baptist. He wasn't sure how to handle them. I tell you, life is full of these type of trials. Full of difficulties that come knocking on the door when we least expect them. And when trials come in these various forms... They're going to come from health struggles to financial hardships, from relation com relationship complexities to personal setbacks. They can shake us to our core and just leaving us wondering how to respond to these things. But we have to remember that these various trials are a common thread that actually unite each and every one of us here today. They are a part of our human experience and they give us opportunities to grow in our faith, but they also give us opportunities to pour into other people who may be going through those hard times that we might have been through as well. So we have these various trials, but the word also tells us that trials also cause grief. Well, duh, right? We know this, cause grief. But look at what it says. It says, you rejoice in this, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. Here, that word grief could also mean distressed or sorrowful 
or made heavy. Like if you had a backpack and somebody just starts filling that thing up with rocks and you're expected to carry that around all over the place. It's feeling heavy. It's weighing you down. I don't know if anyone else has experienced a, a trial like this, but one of my trials and, and I think one of my beefs is with uh, the Walmart furniture that's like Ikea furniture where they ship it to you in every piece that is not put together and you spend about a week trying to put that thing together and they don't send you the manual with it or you can't understand the manual. You end up with extra screws all over the place and then you get a lopsided bookshelf that makes the Leaning Tower of Pisa look perfectly straight. It's frustrating, isn't it? But trials can be like that. They can just cause you grief. It almost feels like that, that jigsaw puzzle that you get without the picture on the front of the box. It just feels all mangled and mixed up. But remember, the grief that we experience is not pointless. We're, <clears throat> excuse me, and we're not told to just get over it. We're not told to just, well, suck it up and move on. Peter doesn't say that you should feel that way. He doesn't say brush it off and go on. Peter actually tells us that it's okay to, to feel down when you face these kind of trials. You see, feeling sad or grieving, it, it is a natural emotion that God has given us. There are times in scripture where people would put uh, ash on their head and they would walk around in sackcloth and they would grieve in front of everybody. They would have a proper time of grieving. Jesus himself grieved. When his buddy Lazarus was dead in the tomb, he knew his future. He knew what was going to happen with Lazarus, with Lazarus, yet it says right there, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, that Jesus wept. Jesus was grieving the loss of his friend. He also told us in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When life throws us a curveball and we feel the weight of that sadness or the heaviness of that grief, it's okay to feel that. God understands our feelings better than anyone else. Do you remember in Hebrews chapter 4? It says that Jesus faced all of the exact same trials that we have gone through, yet without sin. So during those tough times, it's, it's important for us as believers in Jesus Christ to remember that he can sympathize with us, that he is right there with us. And what he's doing is encouraging and comforting us and telling us to lean on him every step of the way. And so those trials can cause griefs, absolutely. But trials can also be necessary. Wow, popular message today, huh? Please, tell me more, said no one ever. You know, I remember when my kids were first born. They were so cute, so fat. We had fat babies. Quinn, she would crawl on the floor and her belly would drag on the ground. Her arms, I remember, they, they looked like, you know, those King's Hawaiian rolls where you put them up? That, that's kind of what her arm looked like. 
she had roles all over the place. But, but I remember taking uh, Quinn, she, she was the rolliest one out of her, my son, into the doctor. And I think it was just those first checkups. You're constantly going to the doctor, constantly making sure everything's progressing and moving right along, right? And so they, they, would, uh, they would say, okay, take your clothes off, just leave her in her diaper. And, and you put her on the scale and they would weigh her. And then they'd take out that really long measuring tape. They'd measure her head. And they, they were listening to her heart and her lungs, all sorts of different things. And then the nurse looked at me and said, okay, dad, what I want you to do is, is take little Quinn here. I say little, she was like a nine pound baby. Uh, take little Quinn here and I want you to lay her on this table here. You know, that little table that's got the paper on it and, and you can lay on it crinkles all over the place. And so, okay, so I go and I, I put Quinn down right there and, and she's looking at me, pretty happy kid. And the nurse says, okay, dad, go ahead and grab, grab her ankles. Okay. So I do that, and of course, Quinn has no idea what's coming. And she's laying there, fat rolls out, smiles and drool all over the place. And she's just looking at me. She's like, oh, there's dad. I, I see dad's face. I'm good to go. The nurse looks at Brittany and says, okay, mom, you know, you come to this side and, and just kind of hold, hold her arms down. And so Brittany goes around and she holds her arms down and Quinn's kind of looking and what's, what's going on? This is fun. There's mom and dad. I am so happy. And then the nurse, the mean old nurse, brings over this tray and it's got these syringes on it. And, and the needles on these things, they're like huge. <laughs> From a new dad's perspective, they're huge. And, and the nurse grabs that needle and just as fast as she can, okay, three, two, one. And she plunges that needle right into her fat little chubby leg. And I think because of all the fat on her, it took a minute to realize what just happened. But she's sitting there kind of smiling, this thing just sticking out of her leg. And all of a sudden her face starts turning. She kind of looks at us. She gets quiet for a second and just starts crying and then I start crying and then Brittany's laughing at me because I'm crying and I'm like what'd you do to my baby what is this but you hear that story though and, and what'd you think wow you are a terrible father because you allowed pain to enter your daughter's life I hope not because if you look at the situation here there were reasons that allowed me to justify that pain entering into my daughter's life. Reasons that will benefit her down the road. Now in that moment, did I say, hey Quinn, there's, there's actually no reason to cry because I have morally sufficient reasons to, uh, to cause you this pain in your life. Of course I didn't say that. There's this massive gap in understanding between my newborn daughter and me. There's a big gap between that understanding. Likewise, if we are all finite human beings who serve an infinite God, there's probably going to be a gap in wisdom there as well. If there's a gap in knowledge between my child and me, don't you think there's going to be a gap in knowledge between the God of the universe and his creation? You know, we may not understand why we are going through these trials in life, why we are going through this pain that is in our lives. But we know that God can use trials to bring out the best in us. 
we know that he can use them for our own good and for his glory as well. Is anyone in here a gardener? Does anyone like to garden? We got a few people who like to garden in here. You know better than I do because I'm not, I'll kill a plastic plant. I am not good at those things either. But you know better than I do that plants need a certain type of soil condition in order to flourish, right? Well, one of the best fertilizers for plants is manure. That's animal feces. It's manure. But with the proper application to the soil, the plants will thrive, they will grow, and they will flourish. I tell you, trials and tribulations in life can feel like a big old pile of manure at times, can't they? But it is the fertilizer. Peter's telling us here, that manure is the fertilizer for our faith that can actually lead to flourishing. So trials, even though we may not want to hear it, they can be necessary at times. But it's also important to look at how trials can reveal our faith. And that's where we start hopping into verse 7 here now. Verse 7 says this. Um, He goes through telling us to rejoice in the various trials. They'll be here for a short time. You're going to suffer in grief. Various trials. And then he kicks off here. So that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, more genuine than gold. Other, Other translations will say, instead of the proven character, it will say, the genuineness of your faith, which is more valuable than gold, though perishable, is refined by fire. Do you know how a jeweler can always tell if the gold they, they was brought to them, you know how they tell if it's real or if it's fake? They put it in fire. They heat it up. And you heat it up until the right smelting temperature in, in this, this certain furnace that they have. And from there, you can tell if it's fake or if it's real or even just how pure the gold is. And if the gold can't stand the fire, then you can't trust it because it's a fake. You know how you can tell what your faith is like? You know how we can tell how pure our faith is? You heat it up, you put it in the fire. You see what kind of purity or impurities come out into the surface in our faith. There was one commentary I was reading, and the guy said, A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Man, popular message all over today, isn't it? Do you remember Jesus' story about the seeds? about how some of the seeds, they they grew quickly, but they withered under the hot sun because they didn't have any strong roots. That sun, that's like life's challenges to us. They show us where our faith stands and where we might need to grow in our lives. You know, I've seen people who are just crushed by life's challenges. It's like they're holding up a sign that might say, hey, I'm about to crumble, here I go. But then there are those who, despite facing the same intense heat or the same amount of heat, they come out even stronger 
and pure, trusting in the Lord even more. Friends, these, these trials aren't here to break you. They're here to mold, refine, and strengthen your faith. So in those times, I know it's not easy, but stay resilient. Trust the process and let your faith shine even brighter than before inside of those trials. So trials are various. They, they cause grief. Trials can be necessary. They can reveal faith. But lastly, trials refine us. We just kind of touched on that, but trials refine us. He says towards the end of verse 7 here, he says, Your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable, is refined by fire, may result, and, and here's the kicker, here's the end game here, in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. All right, so, so imagine for a moment here that you're facing a, a series of challenges. Maybe you're in one right now and thinking, yeah, I don't really have to imagine much. I'm going through one right now. Got it. Well, with every hurdle, think of this as God refining you, making you stronger and stronger each time. It's important to remember that, no, God's not here to burn you, but he aims to bless you. Yet sometimes these blessings can come through the forms of trials. There was a song written years ago that I loved. It says, what if the blessings come through raindrops? And what if the healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know that you're near? God will use anything to get our attention and to remind us that he's right there with us. James 1.12 said, Blessed is the one who endures such trials. It doesn't say, Blessed is the one who never faces trials. It doesn't say, Blessed is the one who finds it always easiest to resist temptation. Instead, it says that true blessing is promised to those who stand strong during the trials, who endure the trials. There is a special blessing from God for those who can endure the trials that they are in. Those who can say no to the temptations that come in a trial, but instead they decide to say, you know what? Yes, God. I'm going to say yes to you, even though this hurts. Even though this is manure. I'm going to trust you with it. And I'm going to lean in to you. It's going to feel tough. But embrace it just as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane when he is praying and he is so stressed out that he starts to sweat blood is what the scripture tells us. And he asks, he's praying to the Father, he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. He's talking about the cup of suffering. He said, let this cup pass from me only if it be your will. Only if it be your will. And it was the Father's will for Jesus to go to the cross for us. To suffer and die an excruciating, painful death for us. But it was also the Father's will for him to rise again on the third day. To give us hope. To give us an inheritance. 
You know, like many of us, I've, uh, I've got a toaster at home. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why there's a setting on the toaster that burns your toast beyond recognition. Have you ever wondered about that? These, guys, these are the things that keep me awake at night. I sit here and think about this stuff. However, here's the good news. God doesn't want to burn us like that mysterious toaster setting that we have, okay? I like how uh, Warren Wearsby put it. He said it this way. He said, if God puts you in the furnace, his eye is on the clock and his hand is on the thermostat. If God puts you in the furnace, his eye is on the clock and his hand is on the thermostat. Job, despite his immense suffering, he knew this to be true. He said, yet... This is, I'm quoting Job here. He says, yet he knows, talking about God, yet God knows the way I have taken. And when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. Think about that for a minute. Picture an old school goldsmith refining gold. As, as the gold boils and the impurities start to rise to the surface, the goldsmith would take this big, sharp tool and he would just skim them right off the top. He would scrape it right off of the top. And that process would continue until the gold was so pure that the goldsmith could actually see his reflection in the gold. Well, just like that, God refines us through our challenges. This is what Peter is writing here. God is refining us through our challenges until he receives, until he sees the reflection of his perfect son in us. Romans 8.29 reminds us that we are to be conformed into the image of his son. And Paul echoes that in the book of Galatians when he says, I am again suffering labor pains for you. Until Christ is formed in you. So y'all, when, when life heats up, just know that it could be part of God's process to make you shine even brighter for him. When it cools down and you're enjoying the calm, cooling portions, cherish that moment. Because we have three main stages in life. There's times when we're in a trial, there's times when we're coming out of a trial and there's a time that you're getting ready to go into a trial. Remember, life is going to throw challenges at us and God's refining fire only seeks to reveal more of his son in you. So press on. Let these trials mold you into that masterpiece that God has created you to be. You know, there was a story of a young woman who was having a really hard time in life. And she went to her mom and she said, Mom, life is so hard right now. I just want to give up. I don't even want to be here anymore. I don't want to fight. I don't want to struggle. I'm just done. Man, that's something that no parent ever wants to hear from their kid, is it? So the mom took her daughter into the kitchen. And at the house, they did something very strange. Mom took three pots and she filled them with water. 
And she put them on the stove. And in pot number one, she put carrots. In pot number two, eggs. And then in pot number three, she put ground coffee. Well, she turns up the heat and she lets the flames get to the water and the water starts boiling. And then 20 minutes later, she turns off the flames and it it begins to cool down. And so she takes the pots off the stove and she puts the carrots into the bowl. She puts the eggs on a plate and then she puts this coffee into a coffee cup. And she says to her daughter, hey, go over there and, and, and touch those carrots. What do you notice? So she goes over to the carrots and she grabs one and it just kind of squishes. She's like, well, it's soft. The mom said, okay, go, go to the egg next and crack that egg open. So she goes over there and she realizes she has to peel the shell off because it, it got hard. And then mom said, now, that coffee that's sitting there, take a sip of that coffee. So she takes a sip of the coffee and she said, wow, that's, that's actually pretty good. Very flavorful. And she said, honey, let, let me ask you a question. Which one of these are you today? Are, are you the carrots? Are you the eggs? Or are you the coffee? And the daughter kind of pauses and says, Mom, I'm, I'm your daughter. I'm neither of these. What, what, are you, what are you getting at here? She said, well, the carrots, they went in hard, but they came out soft. The eggs went in fragile, but they came out hard. But the coffee, the coffee was the only substance that actually changed the water that was in, that it was in with a fragrance and with a taste that you just admitted to me was quite flavorful. So which are you, the the carrot, the egg, or the coffee? All three experienced the same adversity the same heat for the same amount of time, but they all reacted differently. How do you react in a trial today? How do I react in a trial today? Does that trial weaken me and make me soft and just and wilt me over? Or do I get stiff and, and, and hard and I just start to push people away in my anger and in my bitterness? Or will we, by that experience, begin to release a fragrance and add a flavor that is unmistakably the imprint of Jesus Christ in our lives? You know what I think? I think a lot of times we want to tell God that, man, this is just too hard. I can't do this. But I think it's time to stop telling God how big that storm is and start telling the storm how big our God is instead. Amen? Amen. God is big. God is in control. He knows what he is about. He has given me this trial that I'm going through. I hate it. I'm grieved by it. But in the same time, I can rejoice and be glad in it because I know that he is refining me to look more like him. He is correcting me. He is strengthening me. He is equipping me. And he is testing my faith so that it would be to the honor and praise and glory of him. Hey, thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord 
to treasure people and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.